Hello and welcome to Creation Curve Leadership. I'm Coach Colbertson. And I'm Kimberly Colbertson. And we are here broadcasting from Orange Coworking down in South Austin. We're here with Shelly Delane. Say hi, Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Shelly is the founder of <laughs> Shelly is the founder of Orange Coworking. The awesome sauce. And she is our very first guest. Kim, tell us, why is Shelly our first guest? Well, we want to start with someone that we felt like really embodied our entire creation curve. So as we continue in this podcast, we're going to be working through the various elements of the creation curve, and that includes core creation, construction, and community. And we really feel like Shelley is a fantastic example of all of those things. Uh, Kimberly and I are both part of the Orange uh, co-working space here, and it is a phenomenal place, a phenomenal group of people. Shelley, can you tell us just a real quick, what Co-working. This is a new term for a lot of people, I think. Uh-huh. Um, can you real quick give us a quick snapshot of what that means? Co-working essentially is membership-based shared office environment for people who typically work at home or camped out at a coffee shop or for whatever reason end up working by themselves a lot. It's a place to come together and work in the same space and share infrastructure and connect with each other. Which is awesome when you're working at a coffee shop and you have to get up to go to the bathroom. And right. you're like... Dude, is my stuff going to be be here when I get back? I don't I always, know. You I always know? feel like it's it's kind of douchey to take it with you, but then I don't want to explain to the cops why I left my computer on the table at Starbucks <laughs> and now it's stolen. Yes. So and it's no a conflict. And no one ever wants to have to say to a total stranger, "Hey, could you watch my stuff while I pee?" <laughs> right. Right? right. For reals. Although we do. We do say oh, that. Oh, totally. <laughs> and then the barista is glaring at you. And you also are keenly aware that the person who was watching your stuff was mentally noting how long it took you in the bathroom. <laughs> so orange is better. That's the, yes. that's the moral of the story so is orange Where is better. No one notices when you sneak off to go to the bathroom. And your <laughs> stuff is still there when you get back. Exactly. Not to mention you know most of the people who are all around you anyway. Exactly. Because you're in here all the time. Exactly. You know, or at least some of the time anyway. So Shelley, you run Orange Coworking and we're going to get into... All of the ins and outs of that. But before you do, we want you to share a story that just gives us a tidbit about who you are. And we talked a little bit before this interview about what a fun fact for Shelley would be. We did nix a couple things that she said, no, no, let's not put those in the podcast. <laughs> so the Shelley approved fun fact has to do with how Shelley learned tango. So tell us the story, Shelley. Yes. Well, I, uh, tango is the thing I do for fun when I'm not working on orange or anything else. Um, and I'd always wanted to be a dancer, but never did until one night I had insomnia and I was browsing Craigslist because what else do you do at two o'clock in the morning when there's, when you can't sleep? Right. Craigslist. It's always you, there for you, right? You, Craigslist always is there for you. always there for you. <laughs> and I wasn't actually in need of work at the time, but I was looking through the job postings because it's kind of fun. And there amongst all of the regular job titles and postings was a subject line that said, are you a bad dancer? So I clicked on it because <laughs> A, yes, and B, what was that doing there? <laughs> <laughs> Turned out to be a casting call for a reality show. Nice. Yes. Called Ballroom Boot Camp, which was like Dancing with the Stars, only for people you've never heard of. Awesome. And I got cast on the show. And it was presented as, you'll get six weeks of intense ballroom dance classes, and then we'll pair you with a real professional ballroom dancer, and you'll get to do a real ballroom dance competition. 
only the reality of the reality show <laughs> was that. Wait, are was... you telling me reality shows aren't real? Shh. Yeah. <laughs> the secret. I'm so sorry to break oh, that to you. I'm heartbroken. I know. Really, it's yes. So anyway. <laughs> It's going to say something about Santa Claus, but I <laughs> might be kids listening. You might have to beep that exactly. out. Also, you might want to beep that out. That's why I left it go. <laughs> yes. So the reality, so the reality of the reality show was that you got one one-hour lesson a week for six weeks, and then they pair you up with a professional and throw you into a real, actual ballroom dance competition with people <laughs> who have been actually ballroom dancing at a competitive level for, like, 20 years. So, you and know... And then you won. For so, well, no, I actually came in second. You came in second? I came in second. I did. I came in second. It's like, less funny, but it's no, cool. I know, but it's okay. But well done. I was excited I didn't throw up on the dance floor. Ah, that, that, that was like, really... Ah. That was That's kind of one a, level of winning. That was the bar I had set for myself. <laughs> Don't throw up. And well, I well accomplished done. that. And got a little trophy. Um, you still have the trophy? I don't think so. It's unfortunate. That's also, my ballroom dance experience was also the time in which I learned for the first time, because I had never competed for anything involving trophies before. It was the, when I learned that shiny plastic trophies don't actually mean anything to me emotionally. Oh. This is an important <laughs> lesson about life, really. It is. You know? <laughs> Like, some people get a trophy, and they're like, oh, I got a trophy. And then for the rest of their lives, they dust it, and it's on the mantelpiece, and they're very excited about the accomplishment that this represents. And I'm like, it's a shiny plastic fake gold thing that I need to dust. <laughs> and you have to dust it. And I need to dust it. So okay, the dusting so we, was, we yes. Anyway, we've gone off rails. Okay, so. But you, you, found, yes. you figured out that it was only one hour per week. And for someone who has never danced before... Six hours of instruction felt rather insufficient to send me then into the fiery pit of actual <laughs> sparkly ballroom dance competition with the spray tans and the hairspray and all of the and things. The tape. Oh, yes. <laughs> Lots of double-sided tape. Uh, so I went Googling for other tango classes because I didn't even know that there were different kinds of tango at that point. I thought ballroom tango and all the other times of tango were the same thing. They're not... And I found an Argentine tango class that was starting the same day I Googled it. Nice. <laughs> so I went. And within about 30 seconds, I had realized, this is totally not going to help me on the show. And, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so the reality show was kind of a mixed bag of an emotional roller coaster, but it led me to tango, which is one of my big loves in life. So it was good. Always Fantastic. browse Craigslist at 2 a.m. Always, I think that is the moral. Always browse Craigslist. <laughs> Craig is a guardian angel. Good things sure come through Craig. Let's go with that. <laughs> Craigslist as the guardian angel. Seriously, half the furniture at Orange came through Craig. So I'm telling you. Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Good old Craig. The furniture sure fairy. Yes. Well, speaking of Orange, um, we want to start really at the very beginning of Orange. Mm. So we want to know, when did you first think of this idea of orange and what was that like for you and it didn't even it wasn't called orange yet right but this no, idea was to start a, a co-working space tell us about that okay <laughs> there's actually there's several versions of that story really Ooh. but <laughs> that was the really fun version yeah, okay. oh, oh, yes so i have been a i've been a freelance graphic designer for a very long time so i've always worked at home 
everywhere I've lived, I've worked at home and that's always been fine. That's always been good. I never minded that. I worked really well that way until several things happened to change my life. I became a mother. That will change your that life. That will change your life. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, actually, I completely underestimated that. I knew they say it changes your life, but you really don't grasp the scope of that until you're in it. Everyone underestimates that. Really? Or we would never have children. Right. Exactly. That's, that's how the human race continues. Is yes. You just don't know. That is, yes. Blissful and the cuteness. Ignorance. Yes. And, the, and then the cuteness keeps you going, <laughs> which is good. Or we would eat them. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we do not endorse eating children at Creation Curve Leadership. I vote no. <laughs> oh, completely off track. No. Okay, so, yes, so I've been a freelance graphic designer forever and worked from home, loved working from home, and then I became a mother and working at home had more distractions than it had no. before. I know. Surely not. Snuggly distractions. And even when Plus she wasn't places to sleep. there. Yes. So tired. And so then. tired. And so tired. And so in a different phase of life and your only sort of lifeline to other adults other than my husband who I love dearly. But, you know, you sometimes need other voices and there's Twitter, but... <laughs> You're at home, and you need, you you need, need a lifeline that is not also sleep deprived. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then we moved to a whole new city. So it was the. I have a child at home, so working at home is not so productive. My husband also works at home. Plus, I'm in a new city where I have no friends. So all of a sudden, I was in this position where it's like, I interact with exactly one other adult all day. And 24-7. And no matter how much you love someone, you really, it's hard to miss someone if they won't go away. <laughs> it's true. Good point. And it's hard to have anything to talk about at dinner when you can't say, how was your day? Because you know every single inhalation they've made all day. <laughs> and as much as you might love every breath they take. <laughs> just doesn't leave you much to talk about. So I started looking for other places to work and yeah. going to coffee shops a lot to work and finding that also post-children and being a little older and sleep-deprived, the wooden chairs at coffee shops were killing me. They designed them that way. They do. They want you it. to not stay for eight hours. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> and so starting my day with the thought process, where are they not tired of seeing me? was not exactly an empowering way to start my day. And it was also around the same time I was wrestling with, and I really am not feeling inspired about building up a whole new clientele of graphic design. Right. So I felt kind of lost. And then I went to an event called MomCom, which was an event for entrepreneurial moms, which I felt like a complete imposter going because I was like, I'm a freelancer. I'm not really an entrepreneur, but maybe I'll make some friends. They're all moms. I'll make some mommy <laughs> friends. That'll be good. And I did. I made some great friends. And I met a woman who was a business coach. I had never heard of business coaching. It's a crazy thing. I mean, coach. <laughs> 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 I tended to think of that as a sports thing, and I tend to avoid sports. So what do I <laughs> Business coach. After connecting with her, I sat and worked with her for a few weeks. I, for the first time in my life, gave myself a few weeks to really look at what I love to do, 
and what I should be doing and to actually make a conscious choice about what direction to take next. And what it came down to was two things. One, whatever I was going to do, I needed somewhere to do it other than my house and coffee shops. <laughs> For real. And two, the thing that I loved most about being a graphic designer was never the actual design work. Like, I like the design work. That's fun. But that's creative problem solving, and that comes into a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I really loved was working with entrepreneurs and small business people and people with dreams and ideas and finding ways to help them get there. Like, nice. whatever ah, that was. There's so it's that like, spark. There right. is the spark. Okay. That I'm feeling that. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was the, it was like, it was always the, okay, you've got this company. What do you need? You need a logo? Cool. I'll make you a logo. You need yeah. a business card? Cool. I'll make you a business card. You need to find a strategy for getting your stuff into Target? Okay, let's talk about that. I've never done it before, but let's find that. <laughs> you know? And that was, and then watching them go from, like, one of my long-term clients, when I met her through Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Craig. Thanks, Craig. Just saying. <laughs> hey, God has to have some way of directly channeling things to you. Craigslist is as expedient or not as anything else. <laughs> true, true that. Like, I am a literalist. A new, a new tagline for Craigslist. Sometimes I need the direct, here, do this. Anyway, <laughs> so one of my long-term graphic design clients, when I met her, she was making jewelry like one piece at a time at her kitchen table. Whoa. Sounds efficient, but she or was occasional. But she was selling it like she was selling on Etsy, like one piece sure. at a time. Like yeah, that's I what guess. she did. All right. But then she started. You know, we I made her a logo, and then she got into some boutiques, and then she grew that, and she started doing trade shows. And like over the years, by the time I left LA and handed her off to another designer, she's in Target and Nordstroms and like all the major department stores mm. and has like 40 employees and very cool like that kind of right journey on. is really fun to go on with people mm -hmm. so how did you get to i think i'll open a co-working space yeah so there wasn't a co-working space in my neighborhood and i was unwilling to drive a half hour to the closest one so so it's mostly a pragmatic move to yeah open orange. pretty much <laughs> find someone else to open a co-working space in the neighborhood i spent about three weeks like trying to talk other people into doing one <laughs> And didn't find any takers. Mm. Did, you have, did you have a moment where you were like, crap, I'm going to open a co-working space? Totally did. <laughs> it was during a coaching call with Heidi, sitting in Zilker Park. She does a lot of art journaling mm -hmm. in her process. So we were art journaling, and she was like, you know, led me through this whole process, and it came back to, oh no, that... That co-working thing that keeps, I really do, I do want to do that. Well. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to be possible, but I really do want to do that. And I had done enough research by that point that I kind of knew how to go about doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing I was worried about at that point was, where am I going to come up with the money to make that happen? Right. Mm. But then, on the way back to my car... From that, because I left there, like, I closed my journal and said, okay, I don't know how that's going to happen, but let's just dive in that direction and see what happens. And on my way back to the car, I found a penny in the parking lot. And I said, okay, that's a start. <laughs> <laughs> and the penny. <laughs> well, You're easily it convinced. Is. It I'm going to start dropping pennies around you. 
right after I ask you for some money or something like that. <laughs> Fund my dreams. Oh, look a penny. <laughs> but you know, no, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's my lucky penny. You gotta start somewhere. You, you still have the somewhere. penny. I do. It's you on do. the mosaic. Oh, no way. So cool. So oh, okay. you guys can't see the mosaic, but one of the members here created a fantastic mosaic of the orange co-working logo and it's beautiful it'll be in the uh, cover art by the way oh yeah it'll be in the cover art uh-huh. so yeah marjorie actually asked me for some little objects to incorporate and one of them is the lukenbach guitar pick from my first ever trip to texas oh and wow one of them is the <laughs> penny i found the day i said oh, oh this is what we're doing mm. Mm, oh my gosh awesome. i love it yeah. every piece on there has a story She'll walk you through it. Everything has a story. Got it. It's so orange. It's so orange. <laughs> it totally is. Hashtag so orange. So orange. So, tell us about the construction piece of this. I mean, if you realize this is what you wanted to do, you know, there was conversation, or, and then all of a sudden you needed to turn out, you had to actually build it. You know, you had to actually bring into reality. <laughs> <laughs> and so... You know, the money fairy just magically appeared, or, you know, I mean... I love money fairies. Right? I've never met one, but I like that they could exist yeah. somewhere. They do. They, t- so, they do, apparently. Walk us through, like, you know... They send short, you pennies on the, the short story exactly. of how you built this place that we're sitting in right now. So, I went diving through all the wishing wells in town and yes. scooped up all the pennies. No. <laughs> no, although... After 40 years, <laughs> I had enough to buy a chair. <laughs> That was the first No, it only took 20 years. I went on Craigslist. Come on. (laughs) Chairs are cheaper there. No, so it actually took, from that point, I did, I'm a person who, if I'm going into something new, as evidenced by the tango and needing to take all of the tango classes before doing the thing, Yeah, I like to be well prepared for things. So I did a lot of research and demographic studies and discovered things like, hey, within five miles of, of where I live, there's 6,000 people who work from home. Wow. So I huh. figured there was a market. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was I, one of them. Yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. Because you're within five miles. I am within five miles. <laughs> sure. You're in my radius. Um, and so I started looking. I did a whole business plan and got financial projections worked out and all of the things. And started looking for places to do it, to sort of have an idea of, like, what would that cost? Like, what what would it take? What can we find? Where would we be? Had a whole education in commercial real estate and finding an appropriate location. Uh, Looked at that. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah. Like, and looked at every available commercial property south of the river. <laughs> over the next <laughs> seven months or so. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them either had not enough parking or it wasn't close to food or it was like hard to get to or there was right. too much construction on the street or there was like whatever. But then I found the place where Orange currently is and I said, oh, that's too big. I was originally looking at like 3,000 square feet, three to 4,000 square mm. feet. The How current 6,000. Okay. So when I first, which doesn't make, may not sound like that big of a difference, but when you're looking at the expenses and all of the things and the construction costs and the rent and all of the things, three to 4,000 square feet is, you know, felt manageable Mm -hmm. and 6,000 square feet was like, 
that's oh that's oh that's really big that's just that's big but then i started looking at all of the things you could do with the bigger space like have a room for big gatherings and have space for more community and have okay i guess we're gonna find a way to make that work because everything just kept coming back around to this being the right place to do it hmm. yeah well we love it well done thank you mm-hmm Two doors from H-E-B. Come on. Yeah, seriously. Grocery yeah. shopping without moving your car. It's it's quite nice. High on my list. Plus sushi. Exactly. Sushi in sushi. H-E-B. Which is good sushi, by the way. I think so, anyway. But Okay. Did but, I answer that question? You, yeah, killed yes. it. Yeah, okay. for reals. All right, so... Oh, but can, can I say one other thing about the construction? Yeah. Tell us one other thing about the construction. <laughs> one of the biggest choices in opening a brick-and-mortar space is who's going to actually do the building part of mm. the building. Like, who's going to oh, actually yeah. build your walls? Like, that's a huge choice. Because, and in the process of planning, I had met so many people who had had a contractor abandon their product, and it cost mm-hmm. them tens of thousands of dollars to get it back right with the city or all of these things. So I was sort of afraid of that. And then there was a guy I had met through the South Austin Business Association who... Coincidentally, it was from my hometown, which didn't hurt. <laughs> but his construction company is called Lovejoy Construction. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Which turned out to actually just be his wife's maiden name. But... Still a good name. Still a good name. Good name. Yeah. And I was like, we shall build the place with love and joy. <laughs> Lovejoy Construction. <laughs> Totally made me happy and also turned out to be about the best decision I made along the way. Because if it were not for him, holy cow, I don't know that we would have opened on time. Mm, yeah. So, yes, importance of choosing good partners along the way. Absolutely. Right on. Right on. 